Hi, and welcome back to Reflect Forward. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins. I hope you are having a fantastic day today. My guest today is such an amazing person. Ron Carson is the founder and CEO of Carson Group, which serves financial advisors and investors throughout his business, including Carson Wealth, Carson Coaching, and Carson Partners. Um, I use Carson Wealth for uh, my wealth management uh, planning, and I love them. And I had an opportunity to meet Ron at the CEO Coaching International CEO Summit in October in Miami. He was on the same stage that I was on, and I was just blown away at his story. And after I gave my speech on overcoming uh, adversity and bouncing back after my addiction and my vision of building a billion dollar company and creating in a thousand millionaires, he came up to me. He said, I love you. We have to collaborate. And I said, great, come on my podcast. So uh, he is just a truly remarkable person. He started his company in 1983, but it really didn't take off until 2016, not to where it is today, where it's one of the largest wealth management firms in the country until he shifted his entire way of thinking. And this podcast interview is a little bit different. We talk a lot about mindset and um, and spirituality and psychedelics and quitting drinking and all of these things that we as leaders often think about, but are like Ron pre-2016 where we are just stuck. You're going to love this interview. I can't wait for you to meet Ron. So hang tight and I'll be right back. All right. Welcome back, everybody. I have the one and only Ron Carson with me today. Ron, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Carrie. You talked about the one. I got a quick story. A one and only. So my dad, years ago, uh, my wife and I were going to go to Austria and some stuff came up and it was an industry group. And I said, mom and dad, you just go because my dad, I'm a junior. I don't use junior. You said the one and only. And so one of my buddies is there and he overhears my dad tell somebody I'm Ron Carson. And this guy was, he's since passed, but he leans over and he says, listen, I know Ron Carson and you're not Ron Carson. <laughs> he was dead serious. He was like defending me. And, uh, the, and my dad goes, I was Ray Carson, Ron Carson way before he was Ron Carson. <laughs> oh my God. That's such a so great story. All right. So not, the, so not the, the two. Yeah. One of the only two, right? <laughs> That's awesome. I love that your friend's defending you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, how fun. How fun. All right. So let's talk about you for a little bit. So you started Carson Wealth in the 80s, and it's grown into be one of the largest wealth management firms in the country. Uh, and, you know, I'm on my mission to build a billion dollar company. And so I am so curious, like, what what was like the biggest lesson that you've learned as you've gone from starting out in your college room in the 80s to, you know, achieving the amazing things that you've achieved so far? I'm so glad we're having this conversation now than actually when we first met, because my answer is even different. It's really evolved quite a bit, Carrie. Um, yeah. the, the first part of my success was purely driven by fear. And I grew up in a, you know, I had a manic depressive mother. I had a father who was a farmer. We lost everything when I was 17 years old, uh, lived in a small town and 
I just, and I saw my dad cry for the first time ever. And I still don't think I've seen him cry since. And, uh, and it scared the daylights out of me. And I thought, I never want to, I never want to be in that position. And so I basically worked the rest of my life, seven days a week, 10 hours a day, and didn't even get to see my kids grow up. Um, and no matter how much wealth I'd accumulated, how many things I had, I had no joy. You know, I was, I was totally operating from a position of fear. And I've had people say, oh, Ron, well, it's a blessing because, you know, look at what you've accomplished. Um, and I would argue just the opposite. I mean, I embrace those ingredients of the past. Um, but about, I don't know, my mom passed away and I had a codependent relationship with her. And I really sought out someone to talk to. I think all of us could use people in my my uh my mentor and i call him my cosmic father because he really helped me find my life his name's karosh um back in 2016 and you know as soon as i switched this he helped me switch my switch from scarcity and and fear to looking at the world through abundance and like don't be fearful you know go and expect uh, that the world is going to provide massive opportunities and don't be afraid to fail and run down those, those aisles. And, and our, my company, you know, for that first from 1983, um, let's call it to 2000 and, and like 16, uh, I built a company that had a market valuation of about $130 million. And, and, and it was no fun doing it. And it was just grinding all the time. Once I was able to free myself and move my mindset and I shifted it, not only have I had a ball, like I've been living, I feel like my best life. For those that love Christmas, I describe my life today as, because I have three little grandchildren now and the holidays are so fun. And I remember I'm like an eight-year-old on Christmas Eve every day. I don't care if it's Monday or Saturday or whatever day it is. I would say about 95% of the time that I am that excited for the next day, for the life I get to live. And I tell people now, hey, Ron, how are you doing? I go, my life loves me and, my, and I love my life back. And, and from a performance standpoint, our business value tenfolded over that next period of time. And so it was, when I look back and go, what was the shift? It was a shift of, scarcity and fear to a shift of yeah. abundance and really, really surrounding myself. Because when I was running from fear, scarcity, I also had this mindset and I surrounded myself with, I'll call them bargain hires. Someone I can get that was below market. There's no such thing, by the way. And one of my mentors who's a self-made billionaire here in Omaha. Yeah, I always ask people, you know, what's the one thing you could tell me that most led to your success? And he didn't start his business until his 50s and then in 30 years created a billion dollar plus empire. He said, find the best people you can and get out of their way. Well, when you're operating from fear and scarcity, you can't do that. When all of a sudden you go, you know what? I'm really confident of, of the direction and what we're trying to do as an organization. I have attracted incredible people. Not only has that dramatically improved 
my life because I don't have to be the center of everything anymore. Matter of fact, very little. I become a librarian, not a library of information. Um, but it's 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 really excelled our our growth. So that was like the before and after, and what had the biggest impact. I love that. Such an amazing story. Just yesterday, uh, we hired a speaker, a, a presenter to come into my company to kick off the new year. And we did a dreams workshop, living your dreams. And what the type of culture that we create, we're employee owned, is that we want people to live their very best holistic lives um, as employee owners. And we want to support people in the achievement of their dreams. And how often do you hear a boss talking to you about, well, what are your dreams, right? It's like, no, just work, 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 work. And as I was going through the workshop and I was writing out all of my dreams and I had this realization of, I am living my best life ever because I am like going after my dreams. I am creating the life that I want. Is it easy? No. Do I have to make sacrifices and trade-offs? Absolutely. But I realized that when people ask me like, you know, why are you so happy? Like you love what you're doing. It's like, because I'm living my dreams. And um, it was this great realization as you, as you just, you know, we're talking and talking about how every day is Christmas for you. It, it just really resonated with me because you are now living your dreams instead of grinding it out, worrying about not having enough. Yeah, ex absolutely. It's, it's in it. And man, I want that for everybody, Carrie. It's, yep. um, uh, this book, I, I'm going to send you the Cosmic Journal, but uh, Yannick Silver has this incredible book. And what, one of them, it talks about the cosmic alarm clock going off. And I could so relate to that. It's like, it's, there's just a shift in your mind. And it's, you know, and I get it. It's people say, I don't have time to have this major shift. And I would argue you don't have time not to. Exactly. And we teach something here at Carson to our internal stakeholders, we help people find their freedom. You know, we're, a, we're a, a wealth management firm, but that's just a tool. Really what we're, what we're really wanting to provide for people is think of Maslow's hierarchy of need. Most of the world, you know, operates at the lower two rungs, you know, security and physiological needs. And they never, even if you have, like I did, I had, I can never move above the physiological piece because I never thought I was going to have enough. I figured I was going to, I could repeat what happened with my father, but the blueprinting allows you to go to the end and work backwards. And we say, you know, allows you to live your life by design, not by default. Yes. I think so yes. often we just fall into a rut of what society expects. I got this education. I need to do that. I need to be an attorney. I need to be this. When in fact, the happiest people I know, are really following their passions. All three of my children, only one of them came into the business and came in later in a really, in a position that, um, not in a leadership position here at all. I said, do what you love and a plenty of resources will show up. And my, my three children are very, very happy humans. That's amazing. And, and I agree. I think that this whole society is one of scarcity and fear and one where I don't have time to do that. I have to live right now. I have bills to pay. I have these problems that I'm dealing with. And 
And so, you know, it's hard to shift that mindset. And I, and I hear you, it was hard for you to shift yours, right? You didn't do it until 2016 and really not even in a decade have built your business to, to what it's been. That's amazing. How did you do it? Like, what, what did you do? Because going from, I believe that if I fail, I'm going to lose everything to there's enough and I'm going to succeed is not always easy. So like, give us your tips on how you changed your mindset. So I won't, I don't want to sound too woo, um, but I'm going to get into this a little bit because, um, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't honor the time that people are taking to live, listen to this if I didn't share it. And I was the least woo person in the, in the world. Um, I grew up in a, in a family where we drank my, 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 my mom didn't really drink, but my dad to this day drinks a lot. And, uh, my wife and I, we've been together 41 years and, up until um, probably a decade ago, we drank all the time. And the only time I felt a little better was drinking. You know, at night, mm-hmm. I felt like just a little better. And it, and we drank a lot. And um, uh, and I just not, not feeling any, any real joy. And I had sought out um, a lot of different therapists. And I think we could we all could, can not think. I believe I, I benefited tremendously from therapy. Um, when I found the right person, yeah, I had a lot of people that didn't help me at all. And I met this gentleman in Venice, California, his name was Karoche. And, um, and we did a week intensive and at the, and then he, he, in a week, um, uh, that's why I call him my cosmic father. Like, cause he really gave me what I would say is, is born to my life. And I was at this time because I'd never taken a week off just to work on myself. Um, and I think it's a self-love thing. I don't believe I can love anybody more than I love themselves. I can't show any more compassion for anybody else than the compassion I show for myself. The grace I show for myself, I can't show it for others to any greater than how I feel it for me. And at the end of that week, I said to Karosh, I said, I was reading this book by Michael Pollan on how to change your mind. And it had to do with psychedelics. I remember the, the commercials where... They would have an egg on a frying pan and go, this is your oh, brain, yeah. this is your brain on drugs. And I'm like, wow. And, and now I'm listening to this science nerd talk about how some of these natural compounds, he went in really skeptical and it really got me to thinking. I mean, I never thought a beer drinking farmer from Nebraska would have any interest in this. And, but the, the, what, the way he laid it out in his book, if you read his book, before I have not. My, no, how no. To change your mind. It's, it's great. And now he has a Netflix series out there as well. Okay. And so I said to Kroosh, this was at the end of the week. I said, should I be like considering this? And Kroosh goes, absolutely. And I'm like, well, why didn't you recommend it then? Yo, here's the type A coming out. I was like, well, why am I asking? And why weren't you telling me? And he says, because it'll call you when and if it's ever ready for you. And so I started down that path. Um, I completely gave up drinking. That uh, was one of the greatest things I ever did. I, I can't believe the upgrade I've had in my energy in my life since I quit drinking. Um, and I got into the world of using some of these, I'm going to call them plant-based medicines, things that our God gave us, right? There's a reason why they, they appear. And so much of the stuff we deal with, you know, the world is on a massive amount of, um, antidepressants, anxiety medications. My sister was one of them. 
she's completely off. She's living her best life because of these, you know, this, this type of therapy. And I'm going to tell you that I don't think I could have gotten there really to the level I'm at without, you know, some of these, and I'm not talking about, you know, a party mode or any of that. I'm talking about deep medicinal with doctor and, and it's, you know, and a lot of these treatments, um, some of them have been approved federally. And I know Colorado just, I think, just, you know, decriminalized. Decriminalized. The, yep. Decriminalized, yeah. and there's a difference, but it's a, it's a difference. You know, Mexico is on the same It's the first world. step. It's what will come next. The, yeah. the world is waking up is my point. Mm -hmm. And I would say any listeners, like, I don't care what you think you know. If you come into it with an open mind and you look at facts, I think you'll emerge with a whole different idea around what what this world can can do for you and um and how it can like parts of your brain you've never been to and the amount of love and creativity and really getting to know yourself i mean getting to you know every day we have our ego and our soul you know and our ego is what we have to keep us alive here on earth our soul's what we came with our soul's what we leave with um, if you can, and the, the magic in some of these therapies is putting the ego to sleep. So you're, you can just really immerse yourself with your soul and you'll have, I had so much clarity around what was important, my life and the amount of creativity, the parts of our brain, John Hopkins university has a great, I don't know if it's still on their website. It was a couple of years ago. They showed a brain on, um, on uh, psilocybin, which is uh, mushrooms, and one that wasn't. And it was like 10 times lit up the brain with that. And now they believe, you know, it can prevent Alzheimer's, dementia. I can tell you, as far as your memory goes, it'll improve that. And even here in Omaha, Nebraska, we're doing um, trials. I had a uh, dinner about a month ago with a doctor from the VA, and they're doing trials on this. So the world is starting to wake up and say, there's a better way than the way we've been doing it. And all the antidepressants, by the way, because my mother was on lithium her entire life. She was with this manic depressive. It treats the symptom. And you got to take more and more and more after a period of time to stay at the same level. And uh, as I know I'm sounding like a bit of a, you know, of a, of a zealot here on that, but it's what it was the path. It was truly the path to give me the happiness that I have in my life today. I think it's amazing. And I really appreciate you, appreciate that you brought this up. Um, you know, especially the drinking piece, because I know so many leaders grapple with this. So many CEOs, myself, right? I mean, I have overcome addiction to chemical substances and I still drink too much. I'm on dry January and I have sat here and had this conversation with myself thousands of times, thousands of times about I just need to quit drinking. I just need to quit drinking. I wonder what my, what you, okay. So you talk about brain on mushrooms, brain not on mushrooms, and then brain on alcohol, right? I mean, it is so damaging, but it's such a, um, such a part of society, right? And there certainly is sober yeah. shaming that happens. It's so hard to get over that, especially, you know, if you're out with customers and you're out with employees and you're doing this and you get into those patterns and those habits, it's a really hard thing to break. How did you do that? 
how did you do that? Like, I mean, obviously I understand, you know, working with psychedelics help, but that societal habit that you form is really tough to break. It, I thought, I thought it was going to be, and because, you know, the business I'm in, we're entertaining all the time. Right. I mean, you and I are, right. I spoke in, at the CEO summit and I thought this is, you know, every event's going to be hard, but it's not because what you learn is I always have a sparkly. I learned what I really wanted was something in my hand. And so the amount of water I drink now is like sparkling water and there's lemons and there's flavors and there's all these, you know, Perrier. And so I consume like 10 of those a night, which is great because <laughs> I have no calories in them. And, and the first, like after a month went by, people started saying, man, you look good. It, you know, and I hadn't changed anything other than I wasn't drinking for the last decade, we were drinking a little bit, not a lot. I probably reduced it by 80%, 90%. Um, and then I just like, it's not serving me, but I'm not drinking much. So I'm not going to see much of a difference. Even having a glass of wine every couple of nights um, and that, and I was always in my mind, well, they told me it's good for me, like two cups right. a day. There's a podcast, it's called, um, it's, it's uh, Dr. Huberman. And it's Huberman Lab, and it's what alcohol does to your body. Anybody yeah. that listen to that and get the facts on what really happens when you consume alcohol, and it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good motivator, you know, for not doing it. And and I will share with you too, if you want to feel, you know, you can microdose. Like there's microdosing protocols out there um, that are just again, they're plants, you know, people are like, well, I don't do drugs. Alcohol is the biggest drug out there. I've seen more devastating, more homes wrecked, more people's lives with, with quote unquote, you know, the legal thing when we've got these non-addictive, non-toxic, um, uh, plants from the earth that are actually very medicinal for the kidney, the liver and the brain. Absolutely. Absolutely. But Huberman lab, what alcohol does to your body? Google that. Okay, I'm going to put it in the show notes. I will okay. I will link it to the show notes so people right. can listen. All right. And I'm going to too cuz I am literally in that whole like I'm I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to quit drinking. How am I going to quit drinking? <laughs> oh. ah, and doing this work too. Like, yo, there's so much I want to do now, Carrie. I feel like it, there's a book I I read last year called um The Second Mountain and it's like yeah. our oh, so good. of our life and yes. I needed this extra energy and, um, uh, and the world and the people I've met in this, like wanting to like solve real issues in the world. Uh, it has been so motivating that, you know, the, the, and I'm not one of those like, Oh, you can't drink. You shouldn't drink. Um, for me, I can just tell you what it's done for me personally. It's been fantastic. Yeah. And, and a little it. bit of education around it helped me. Re help yeah. I can tell that. you're on your second mountain. Um, I love that. I love, I love David Brooks. Um, and, uh, he can pontificate a little bit, but it, like, I feel like my second mountain, like, like I'm still on it, but for sure, like overdosing and then figuring out like, okay, I have to live. I know I have the potential to live a much more amazing, inspiring, in tuitional life. I don't even know if that's a word, but I had to like hit that rock bottom because all I wanted to do was just climb my way to the top. So like, I feel like, you know, I'm still at the, in the foothills of my second mountain. Um, but it is, it was such a great, it's such a great way to visualize your life and also make you not feel 
like so bad. Like, you know, I mean, I've had to always just deal with like the guilt and the shame of the choices that I made, the people uh, who I hurt and, and being so materialistic focused. And then when I realized like, it's just part of it, right? It's just part of the journey and there is no shame in it. There is no right or wrong, right? We're all just trying to figure it out, but boy, when you can get on the path to the second mountain, like that's when you can live, live this really fulfilling life. You, something you just said there, I think it was another key is I think a lot of people live with the anchors. I give a talk, it's called anchors and engines. And it used to be just about business practices, but now I've replaced the anchors with these emotions we hold, um, shame, guilt that we yeah. carry. It's like, it serves no useful purpose. Um, no. we've allowed, and by the way, listening to your story and the way you, the authenticness and just like matter of fact about it was so empowering to inspire other people to be brave and not be ashamed of the, you know, every, everything that's no. brought us at this point is an ingredient of who we are today. And it's a beautiful ingredient, but you said something also a minute ago, you said, I don't even know if that's a word. Well, if you say it's a word and I knew what you meant, it's a word. Why do we put other people in charge of doing our thinking for us? That's the other thing exactly. that I learned is I had, so my, um, I've got three grandchildren and the oldest is four years old and we were playing a game and I said a, a word that was naughty to him. And my daughter is like, yeah, hey, I heard you said a naughty word. And I said, not well, like, I'm just curious, were you on the committee that decided that was a naughty word? And she said, no, I never thought about it like that. I go, exactly. We allow other people tell us how we should feel, tell us how we should talk, tell us how we should think. And I push my internal stakeholders and people in my community, like do your own thinking. And I was watching this um, and even me, I am so on guard for original thinking. I'm watching sea spiracy and they're talking to this whaler and you know, about killing whales. And immediately I've got prejudice. I'm like, yeah, you're an awful person. You're killing whales. And he says, have you seen it, Carrie? Sea spiracy? I have. No, I know exactly. I don't, I don't watch TV, but I know exactly so, what you're talking about. So yes. he says, uh -huh. he says, I'm taking one whale's life. The way I look at it, I'm saving 2,000 chickens' lives. Yep. And I'm going, wow, what a great point. I mean, who am I to say that a whale's life is more important than a chicken's life, right? And there's 2,000 of them. But po point is, even when you're on guard of it, you can allow, you can allow other people to do your so thinking for I you. So I so agree with you, right? Um, we use words, we use labels, um, to force people to conform, uh, what's right, what's wrong. And all of it is right. There's no, there is no black and white. There is no, this is moral. This isn't right. It's the, it's the way that we have chosen to use language words to make people conform. And I love that because I like what you just said in that example, because I believe that if humans challenge the way that they think, right, just because I think it doesn't make it true and multiple truths can exist at the same time. And we are moving so much further away from that as a society, as polarization is happening and we are getting entrenched into um, our own thinking. But that's not the way the world works, right? 
And words are just labels that force us to conform and try to make us believe a certain way when there are 8 billion different truths out there with all 8 billion of us on this planet. And then all of the billions of animals and other, you know, other spiritual beings, other physical beings out there. How do we know that the way we think is right? And how do we know that the way we think is the truth? And if we could all just get over ourselves, <laughs> we could move past so much of this crap that we're in. But we don't. Who There's not very many people who challenge the way that they think about something, their belief systems, what's right, what's wrong. What does this word mean to me? How am I labeling or how are people labeling me because of this choice of, of a word? I think there's a real vibe change happening, Carrie. Like yeah. there's um, I was just in Baja uh, over New Year's for a few days. I was telling you about it before we started the podcast. And and these are really thoughtful people that really challenge a status quo. Um, most of the world doesn't want what we have today. I mean, when I look and yeah. think about the, the people that are starving to death last year in 2022, we had a dramatic increase because food prices went up so much. We had 3.1 million yep. kids die, half of them under the age of five. And it takes, it takes two months to die of that. How, 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 and we have so much food. And so I think it's time for the world, not the politicians, but the world to take our world back. We don't want, you know, Ukraine doesn't want to be in a war with Russia. Russia really doesn't want to be in a war with Ukraine. We don't want the genocides that are going on around the world. We've got like an itty bitty percentage of the world that makes it dark and impossible yes. for, for yeah. many people. And being in Baja, I was like blown away by the commitment of this young, I am super bullish on humanity because of the young people and the way they're connected. And think of our yep. grandchildren or our kids, when they're born, there's no hate, there's no judgment. There's no, there's nothing but pure love. And if you saw the new um, Way of the Water, the Avatar movie, and if you haven't seen it, go see it on 3D. Oh, it's amazing. amazing, amazing. I'm go see it yes. again tomorrow. I, I, have, I, I can't yeah. get enough of this, but, and watch the other one too before you go see it. So, because that was clear back in 2009. Um, but some of the questions, like I was at, a, we were at a New Year's Eve. So I'm with a gentleman from Miami. His name's Roman. And we're talking about life. And he goes, Ron, what's your purpose in life? And I said, my purpose is I, I want to end world hunger. I want to provide clean water for all. Um, so we got a program uh, to uh, a little plug for nohungrychild.org um, that operates a fantastic organization, Charity Water, Scott Harrison on what he's doing with clean water and then mental wellness, which is I think the whole psychedelic plant-based medicine movement is real. And he says, so what's your purpose? I go, my purpose is to end those things. That's what I'm getting up for. Yeah. And then he asked me a question that stopped me in my tracks, I did not know how to answer it. He said, imagine a world, what would be your purpose if there was no one to help? I was like, I had, gave me goosebumps. Brain, I, I had a brain freeze. And I go, man, he goes, I know, like your answer is so consistent with people who are awake. They want to help everybody. And, but then I, I, 
I've thought about it to a good friend of mine. Her name's Angeline Chin, and Jeannie and I are partnering with her and her fiance. We're going to their wedding next week in the Dominican uh, Global Coalition. Coalition is that we're losing the corals in our oceans, and we lose our corals. They provide way more than 50% of the food. So I asked Angie this. I thought, because Angie, she's... um. She's Chinese. She's one of the most insightful, thoughtful minds. Her dad's work actually won the Nobel Prize for some of the coral uh, pro, um, techniques that we're using to grow coral on, on land and put it in the ocean. So I thought, I want to do the same thing to Angie that Roman did to me. I want to I watch her like freezing her tracks mentally. And so I'm all ready. And I ask Angie this and she goes, oh, that's easy. I'm going to continue. I want to, I'm going to, uh, uh, my purpose is to continue to evolve as a human being. There's an infinite levels that I can evolve to make other humans better, to love them more, to show more compassion and more grace. It wasn't about helping anybody. It was about her inward being the best, like Dharma, you know, the Buddhist principles of, yeah. you know, the dimmer, different levels that we can ascend to. And so, that's my New Year's one. Like I want to, yeah, I want to help people, but the more I can, I what I've told my stakeholders for years: be self selfish so you can be selfless. If you don't take yeah. care of you, you got to start with you. Yeah. You know, it may sound narcissistic, but you know what we opened up with: you can't be any better for other people than you can be for yourself. So start with yourself. Okay. And this answer and what Roman pushed me to, and the realization is: man, if you just we work on ourselves and stay within ourselves. We will overflow with massive love, compassion, grace, and opportunity for those that will surround us and come into our energy field. And look at your journey. It's exactly what happened, right? It's exactly yeah. what happened. When you started working on yourself, right, it opened up the world to, okay, I'm going to help, right? There is abundance. And so it's true. It's true for me too, right? When I started working on myself and, and became less self-centered, um, then all of a sudden my world opened. And so, you know, we're, we're living examples of the benefits of when you when you evolve with intention, with purpose, with kindness, with compassion, you're only going to make your world better and the world of everybody who interacts with you better too. So it's a brilliant answer. And I've even noticed like my animals, they, they, I get yeah. up early in the morning. They're all over me in the morning, more so than prior. Like they sense the energy shift. Even animals do. Yeah. I, mean, I had a dog the other day that um, I pet and a lady goes, like she, she meant to tell me not to pet him because he bites everybody and I'm sitting there patting him and she goes, Oh my gosh, he likes you. He doesn't like anybody. <laughs> so animals are a great, a great sense of that energy. Totally agree. Totally agree. All right. So let's bring this back to the leaders who are listening to this show today. So if you could leave people with, you know, your best piece of advice um, on a leader, you know, as they are on their leadership journey to becoming better humans, better leader, leaders, better growing better businesses, what would that be? I do the blueprinting process or a form of it. And if, if through you or you can reach out to Kristen and we, I'll give it away. The blueprinting guide, live your life by design, not by default. And it's a hard process to be honest with yourself. Like there's questions in there, like yeah. I'm more so afraid I would and having a compelling, you know, and I even have people write their eulogy and then work backwards. Years ago, I took business leaders through this process of writing it 
put them in a coffin, actually do their funeral, let them get out. Um, and it is, it's like, go to the end, go to the end. And, and, and are you living the life that would represent how you want to be remembered? And then back up from that and set 25, 20, 15, 10, five, three, one year goals. And then to this day, I still do the six most vital one, which I teach, like get your energy aligned with things that are really important to you. And one of the exercises in that carry is list the things you love doing the most and what percentage of your time are you spending doing it? Most people are upside down. They love these things, but they spend totally. almost no time on them. Who, why do we get it programmed where you're doing, why aren't you doing only the things that you love to do and surround yourself with others? We really complicate our lives. We really make it difficult to be as happy as we can possibly be. So really doing, you know, and I would, for those that want to venture down that, that path for me personally, um, just the blueprinting alone was fantastic, but the blueprinting with self-work like breath work, you can have a psychedelic uh, experience without any drugs or compounds just through breath work. And it'll get super uncomfortable. The first time I ever did this, I was like, I didn't believe possible and it is possible. Meditation. I used to not be able to meditate like 10 minutes. They told me I should do this and my mind would be a thousand different places and I'm doing it wrong and I'm not getting any benefit. I, cause I'm so connected to my higher self, like my soul. I can draw every single morning I get up and I'll meditate for a minimum of a half hour. And sometimes I'll meditate for three hours. And I, I know what's going through people's mind when they hear that. I go, boring. And I used to look at these monks that think, how on earth? I mean, I was in Nepal um, and remember you know, thinking about these monks meditating all the time. They're just in another world. They're having a ball. Like when you really drop into that meditation and you can really live in that, that higher self. Um, and I, it's good for the brain. It's good for creativity. It's good for really sorting out the important things in your life, but slow down to speed up, really take some time and figure out what's important in your heart and your soul. And then everything else will start to fall into place. That's the one big piece of advice I can give to any human being on the planet, any business leader, anybody that wants to aspire to live a more fulfilling life. Cause that's the gift it's given me. I love that. That's such good advice and living your life by design. There's no better way to live. There's no real way to live except for by design because if not you're just like waiting to die right yeah i said most of society unfortunately is on an unconscious journey to arrive at death safely meaning that yep. we get in a rut we do what's expected we don't take a die safely and even prior to doing this work i talked about i used to you know in the blueprinting say imagine you're sitting in heaven, because most people have something they can relate to. And you're looking down on earth and you've got eternity to now look at all the things you could have done. And you'll go, man, if I could go back, I would do this, I would do that. I would take this chance. I would take that chance. Well, don't wait till you're dead to do that. That's the benefit of the eulogy and writing and doing the blueprinting today is you can yeah. mentally put yourself in that position. Now you get to come back to present time and do something with it. Our true home is in the present. It's truly a miracle to live there. Most people are dwelling on things that happened in the past and carrying that negative emotion forward. And those are anchors or we're worrying about something that could happen in the future. And we're missing the only time we can really impact. And that's the here and now in this moment. I agree. Okay. So just real quick, before we go, explain how to get the blueprint. Is this something that you came up with? Is this the book that you're talking about? Like 
something we came up. Yeah. Something I had, a, I, so in 93, I guess we got up in 83, I started the, um, RIA in 93, I started a coaching consulting business okay. and, um, and we run that today just for financial advisors. Um, and it's, this is a, a process I developed, uh, back in the nineties in the late nineties. And, um, uh, and we can, if you just work with Chris and she'll give you a link that okay. they can go directly and get an electronic version of it. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Awesome. Great. I'll include it in the show notes and I'm going to do it back. I'm going to talk to Brady and tell Brady, like, why didn't you tell me about this? I want to do my blueprint. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know what, too, Carrie? Like Brady is is amazing. I love uh, him. Internal state court. We don't have staff or employees, and we're really taking that whole element of that to a whole new level. So he's probably waiting because we're in development right now for the people that we serve, like you. So you will be you will be exposed over the next year, or maybe year and a half, to a whole other level of. Uh, of immersing yourself in this, in this personal blueprinting. Yeah. He, he mentioned it to last time I talked to him, he mentioned that he was going through, um, through, through a process that he would be able to do more coaching with us. So, um, so I can't wait. I, I love that. kind. Of but thing. I would start this now okay. and then you can add on to it. Cause this will give you a lot of the foundational base Great. work that you need to have answers to. And it'll make the next generation of this go even faster for you. Awesome. All right. I'm on it. All right. Well, Ron, it has been so much fun having you on the show. I could literally talk to you for hours and hours. Oh, thank you. Uh, but thank you for joining me today. It was an honor. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right. Hang tight, everybody. I'll be right back. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that very fun uh, podcast interview. I can't wait to have him on the show another time because we have so many things to talk about besides uh, the fun and interesting conversations that we had today. All right. If you like this podcast, please write a review, like it, subscribe to it, share it with a friend. I always appreciate it. It helps with the algorithms and I look forward to seeing you next week. Take care.